Bibles, the book of Ephesians. Um, if this is your first time with us, um, I'll try to do my best to try to bring us all up to speed with where we are, uh, but we don't have a whole lot of time to do that. Uh, so I would encourage you just to, uh, uh, on, the, on the podcast, on our website, are all the sermons, all the messages fully in their, in their uh, uh, complete uh, status. And so if you have time, if you get really, really bored, you don't have anything else better to do, you can go back through and listen through them. But basically, here's how Ephesians works. There are two major sections of Ephesians. The first section, the first three chapters, deal with our position in Christ. For those who are children of God, we, if he focuses in great, great detail on who we now are as a result of this adoption into his family. He talks about how we are blessed, how we are adopted sons, how we have been made acceptable, how we have been sealed with the Spirit of God. He talks about how we have been forgiven, we've been redeemed, we've been raised from the dead, and our, our spiritual death is now, we are now spiritually alive in Christ, on and on and on. He's talking about our position, where we stand now before God. Now, we still are in flesh bodies, but positionally, because of Christ, who we are. And then he makes this transition into the practical. It's great that we are these things, but how do we live that out in a daily life? It's great. The grace of God is, is something that we can never wrap our minds fully around, but how do we live in that grace on a daily basis? And so the second half of the book is focused in on this practical living this thing out. In the second part, he talks about how to imitate God, which is what we're talking about today. He talks about how to, to uh, live in a, a godly family, how husbands are to love wives. We're talking about that in a couple weeks. How children are to respond to parents, how coworkers work with each other, like all these things. And it's like, okay, the, my position in Christ is amazing. That's wonderful. That's rad. But how do I live in that in a fallen and broken world? And so the big picture is that he has saved us by grace. It is not by any works of our, ourselves. He has saved us by his grace. And in that grace, in response to that grace, we are able to walk, to walk worthy of the calling which he has called us. We are able to walk in response to that grace, in obedience, and in submission to his perfect and pleasing will. And so we find ourselves now in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8, all right? And he picks up, before we start in here, Ephesians 5, 1 says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. We talked about that last week. We are beloved children. We're adopted children of God. And he says, do what's normal. Do what makes sense. Which makes sense is children imitate their parents. We talked about that uh, last week in, in great detail. And last week he says, imitate God's love. So as we are recipients of this love, recipients of this grace, we are to imitate this love of God, this selfless, sacrifice, uh, sacrificial love of God. That was last week. And so now he makes his transition into another form of imitation. Imitating last week his love, but now this week we're going to, he talks about imitating his light, L-I-G-H-T. So if you've never been with us, the way it kind of works is we read a little bit, and then we talk a little bit, and we read a little bit, and we talk a little bit, and then we have one point, one kind of application, one kind of thing we can drive into the ground say we can walk away from today hopefully with at least this one thing. And then on Thursday in our community groups, we're going to discuss that one thing that we can try to drive in. I don't want us to leave with a head full of knowledge and not any understanding of how to actually respond to this grace that God has given us. So let's just dive into chapter uh, 5, verse 8. He says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light 
in the Lord. This is a very amazing reality. He, pro- he provides another contrast between what a believer's life was before Christ to what it is after Christ. He's done this several times already. In Ephesians 2, he said, you were dead in your sins and transgressions. And verse 4 says, but now you've been made alive by the grace and the mercy and the love of God. Further down in chapter 2, he said, you were far away from God. That's where you were, but now you have been drawn near to God. That's why one of our things is we want, we're here to love people who are far from God. Because we are all far, we were all far from God until he drew us to himself. And in chapter 4, just last chapter, it talks about how at salvation, we, before salvation, we had this old self, this corruptible self, this wicked self. And at salvation, that was taken off and we were, God put on a new self after the created in the likeness of God himself. And so here, he kind of does the same thing. He says, you were darkness, but now... You are light. But what does that mean? Like, that's a pretty bold statement to say you were darkness. What does it mean to be darkness? What does it mean to be light? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because if you weren't curious as to that, then you might not really enjoy the rest of our time this morning. So that's a big statement. You were darkness, but now you are light. So let's just break this down to this first part. At one time, you were darkness. There are two things that just jump off the page at me when I look at that. The first is Paul uses this four-letter Greek word that emphasizes the past tense of this condition. He is saying at one time, at one time in the past, if you have like a translation like um, New American Standard or something, uh, or maybe NIV, it says formally. That word formally, it's the same, this, that's the same idea here. This is a past tense and it isn't a current situation. He uses this word to emphasize that this was something, this being darkness was something that was real. It was really there, but it is no longer. He could have left this word off and it'd just be, for, at, for you were darkness, and it'd still be the same truth, but he's emphasizing the fact that that which was real is no longer anymore. At one time, formally you were, you were darkness. But when the gospel comes in, the grace of God comes in, that changes and so the second thing that just blows off the page to me is this idea that there's, there's not a preposition here. English, okay, everybody's falling asleep. But there's not a preposition here. You were in darkness, or a preposition in, right? You were of darkness, you were with darkness. Like, where's the preposition, Paul? You left it out, right? No, I don't think he left it out. Those are true. We are, were in darkness, we were of darkness, we were with, those are true. But what Paul is saying is that you yourself were darkness. Now that is a very big statement. That's that's something that doesn't tickle our ears very well. That's not something that sets in very easily. And what I'm about to say uh, may result in this being your last time coming to Life Journey. This might be too much for us to buy into, too much for us to bite off, too much for us to handle. But I really hope that's not the case. I really hope you don't storm out and say, well, this is, I just can't deal with this. But here's, the, here's what Paul is saying. Because of our rebellion, because of our sin, we not only participate in evil, we not only participate in wickedness, participate in darkness, participate in depraved things, but as a result of participating in it, we actually become 
evil. Whoa, well, you know, back up, back up a little bit. That's too much to handle. I know this isn't popular. I know this isn't easy on our ears. I know this isn't taught very much, but I can't change. It doesn't change the reality of who we were before Jesus. Now, if you were sick and you had been feeling ill, and you went into a doctor, and the doctor looked at you, he diagnosed you, he knows that you have a terminally, like, uh, 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 terminally, terminally sick. You are, you are going to die in a couple of weeks. He knew this. But he says to you, you know what? Just ignore the pain, ignore the problems, and it, it might, it'll get better. Would you respect that doctor? Would you go back to that doctor? I, I would hope not. Now, if temporarily, you might feel, oh, I'll just ignore it. I'll just feel better. Everything will be okay. But in two weeks, when you breathe your last, there's a sudden, hey, this guy didn't tell me the truth. And so I don't want to be that doctor. I don't want to be the one that says, hey, just ignore the reality of sin and and the consequence of sin, and and everything's going to be okay. I love you too much. God loves you too much. That's why he gives us this beautiful thing of his word to teach us that there is this sin problem that, that creates in us darkness. The reality is that our rebellion against God resulted in the human race being equal with that rebellion and equal with that darkness and equal with that depravity. For you at one time were darkness. We are totally dark, totally depraved. And depraved, that just means morally corrupt, wicked. Jesus actually puts it this way in John 8. Jesus says, talking to some Pharisees, he says, you are of your father, the devil. And so here's this imagery. We're either people, either father, uh, children of God, or not children of God, resulting in being children of the enemy, children of the devil himself. And so there isn't a third option. There isn't like, okay, I'm going to be child of whoever's in between there. But because of our rebellion, we follow the path, the course, which Paul even talked about in chapter 2, of this sin and this rebellion. We become darkness. That's a very heavy thought. I hope you're not mad at me. Be mad at Paul. Be mad at truth. Love me, okay? But what does that mean? What does that result in? It results in a couple of things. What does it result? What if if people who don't believe in who people who are not born again, if they are darkness? If I was darkness before I came to Christ, what what would that mean? What are the practical elements of that? Well, there's a couple I can think of. First is intellectual ignorance, an ignorance about God, an ignorance about His glory, an ignorance about His majesty, about His power, about His greatness, about His love, about His ability. I don't know God because of my darkness. When you walk into a dark room and you can't see anything, what's the first thing you try to do? You try to turn the light on. I mean, it's that simple. Because we're ignorant of the objects in the path, in the way. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to hurt ourselves. So we flip the light on so we don't hurt ourselves. The second thing that I think of in, when it comes to this, what's the result of being darkness, intellectual ignorance, but also intellectual deception. And this is this idea that we think we're okay. We think we're good. We, we don't, we're not in really that bad of a condition. We are, de- uh, we are deceived in our comparison. We, like kind of what Craig said, we compare ourselves to others. We say, you know what, well, I'm not as bad as, and then we fill in the blank. Now, we could compare ourselves, like, I don't think anyone in here practically, like, behaviorally is, has done things like murdered millions of people, and your name's 
Adolf Hitler. Like, uh, maybe. I mean, we don't do background checks, you know, to come to church. But I don't, I don't think practically anybody has, has done that. Um, so as long as we compare ourselves to people like him, uh, then, then we're okay, right? I mean, that's deception. We say, well, I do good things. I help this. I, I help with, like, well, even like Craig was talking about, I help with kids, you know, at school, and I do good things. But the reality is, darkness can do all kinds of things, but there's still darkness until Jesus comes in and brings the light. We're deceived in our righteousness. We think we can do enough good, and enough good gives us a good, righteous standing before God. So we're deceived. We're also, this, this result of darkness is this idea that we, there's a, a behavioral issue, not just a thinking issue, but a behavioral issue. There is moralistic evil, moralistic darkness. We sin because we were born in this darkness. We do evil because we follow the pattern of this evil and dark world. Now this evil, like I was saying, it might not be in the likeness of like a Timothy McVeigh in Oklahoma. Okay? It might not be in the likeness of the, the, the Cho guy from Virginia Tech. Your, your expression of this evil, this darkness, might not be like Holmes over in Colorado. And, 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 and praise God that that's not the case. But when we sin, it proves that we are in darkness. By lying, cheating, stealing, lusting, hating, idolizing, coveting, we prove that we are evil. And what Paul is saying is at one time... You were under this curse of darkness. And that's exactly where Satan wants you. Man, that's exactly where he wants you to be. He wants to keep you there. He wants to hold you there in his dominion, under his control. You see, Satan hates God. Satan hates him so much that Satan tried to steal from God the pinnacle of God's creation, which is you, which is me, humanity. God created everything that exists for His glory. He created the entire cosmos, the earth and everything in our universe. He created parts of our universe that we'll never see because we don't have telescopes big enough or powerful enough to see it. All of this was created for the glory of God, the majesty of God. It was created for His pleasure, for His enjoyment, for His purpose, and to just show how amazing He is. God gave Adam and Eve a very simple commission. He said to go and multiply, inhabit the entire land, the entire globe, so that the entire earth would be filled with the glory of God as His creation, His created beings, His created people would worship Him. And at some point, we know this, 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 this Old Testament uh, truth, at some point, Lucifer, which is Satan's, of course, his real name. At some point, Lucifer decided himself to be to begin a rebellion against God. See, Lucifer was created to worship God, just like everything else was created to worship God. But Lucifer rebelled against God, and God therefore kicked Lucifer and those who followed Lucifer out of heaven. And in that same rebellion, Lucifer has, dis- has tried and tried and has been successful at bringing humanity into his rebellion, into his darkness. And so when God created Adam and Eve, He created them to do anything except you must obey. And Adam and, and Lucifer came in and he tempted Adam and Eve to sin, to disobey God. He drew them into his rebellion, into his darkness. But here is the amazing reality. This put a pause on this whole commission of Adam and Eve to spread the glory of God around the world. 
It put a pause on that because now rebellious man was no longer reflecting and no longer glorifying God because there is now darkness in mankind. But God is so loving. He is so desirous to be worshipped, so desirous to be saved, to, to, be, um, to be glorified, that He provided salvation. You see, God knew this would happen before the universe was even created. He, in chapter 1, we talked about how before the foundation of the world was established, God had this plan of salvation established. Because God is rich in His mercy, because He's rich in His grace, because He's endless in His love, He planned to place all of our sin, all of our depravity, all of our darkness on His righteous, perfect, spotless Son, Jesus Christ. In doing this, the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. And Jesus absorbed every single drop, Folgers, every drop of the wrath of God in His death. While the pain of the crucifixion, I'm sure it was excruciating. It was agonizing. I think the greatest pain was the fact that the sinless, spotless Son of God now held your sin. The Bible says that He became sin so that we could become children of God. In this event, God showed us this great contrast between Himself and, and wickedness, between Himself and between Satan. Satan can try his best to steal. He can try his best to destroy. He can try his best to rob God from His majesty, to rob God from His glory. He can try his best, but no matter the depth of the wickedness, no matter the depth of the darkness, no matter the depth of our depravity, God's grace is yet deeper. His love is yet deeper. His mercy is yet stronger, which we just sang about a couple of minutes ago. And through Christ's sacrifice, we have the ability to be brought back into this relationship with God that God created in Adam and Eve before they became darkness. So this is the Gospel that Mankind entered into this rebellion and became darkness. You were at one time darkness. And here's the Gospel. Gospel means what? Good news. But now you are light. Isn't that good news? But now there's something that's changed. But now because of Jesus, you are light. And there's two things in the same way that jump off the page here. But now you are light. First is this present idea. You right now are Present tense, right this second. See, a lot of times we think, well, I'm becoming light. I'm becoming. God's working on me, and I'm becoming what God wants me to be. Yeah, there is a certain submission to obedience and becoming you know, the, the man that God has destined you to be, for sure. But you right now positionally are light. The second thing that jumps off is the same as what was in darkness. There's no preposition. It's not you are of Light, you are in the light, you're with the light. No, that's true. But he's saying you are light in Christ, in the Lord. Being a Christian isn't just something I do. Now, we should do. But being a follower of Jesus is something I am. And by who we, follow me, who we am drives what we do. Okay? And we're going to get to that in a second if we have time. Then we're running short on time. But who I am drives what I do. Okay? So, it's not just something I do. It's who I am. I am, because of God's grace, a child of God. I 
am robed in the righteousness of Christ. I am a co-heir with Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I am hidden in Christ. I am blessed. I am chosen. I am holy and blameless in Christ before God. I am adopted. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am sealed in the Spirit of the promised Holy Spirit. I am set free. I am born again. I am saved by grace. I am alive in Christ. I am seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation. I am a new self. I am beloved. I am light. That's tough for us to try to wrap our minds around because sometimes we don't feel that way. But if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. And that's the gospel. The gospel that God is so deserving and so worthy of being worshipped that He won't even let your and my darkness stand in the way. And so He provides His Son, Jesus, to pay for our darkness. Jesus became sin. He became darkness so that we could have a relationship with God. What a glorious God we serve. And so I no longer am darkness, but I now am light. And let me just say this, and we're not going to finish this, I can tell you that right now. Let me just say this very, very, you're worrying, my stomach's growling. Let me just say this very, very quickly. Just because I say I am, doesn't mean that I truly am. Does that make sense? Does that, settle? Does that sink in some? I can say there is no other God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. I can say that. That doesn't make me a Muslim. I can say I'm a believer. I can say Jesus is God. I can say whatever I want to say. But that doesn't make me born again. The grace of God is the work of God. And when the work of God, when the gospel grabs a hold of someone's life and there is there is evidence through repentance and through faith in Jesus. Man, that transforms your life. And those of you who have been made new by God, you understand it, you see it, you live it. You, you, you're not perfect. Practically, you still mess up, and that's what the glory of the cross is all about. He has paid even for that sin. But there's something new. There's something alive in you. The devils, even the demons even believe that God is real. But they're not redeemed. It's not just saying I believe. And it just frustrates me so much when people, you know, just throw this around. You know, you know I'm, a, I'm a believer. I, I believe. I believe. Well, okay. But um, let's start living it. If it's changed our life, then let's live changed lives. Now, that doesn't mean we obey in order to get the grace. I hope I've been clear with that throughout Ephesians. Because of the grace, we now walk in the grace. And that's exactly what Paul says here. He says, because you are light, you were darkness, let, let that sink in. Now you are light. Walk as children of light. It makes no sense to walk in that darkness because you no longer am darkness, but you now am light. I know it's not good English, but I think I'll try to emphasize. And God is the light. We were, remember verse 1, it says to be imitators of God, right? Be imitators. Well, who is light? God is light. And so he says to be imitators. As children, imitate God's light. In Proverbs chapter, uh, Psalms 27, verse 1, the Bible says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? In Psalm 119, 105, the Bible says, uh, the, the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
And Jesus says in John 8, He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness. Isn't that what Paul is saying here? But we'll have the light of life. If it weren't for the light of God in our world, our world would be hopelessly dark. Our world, the very light of God, casts out darkness. And it is His light that we are able to shine as imitators of God. Why would we not walk in this light? Like, does it make any sense? Hey, okay, we can see, we can see through the light of God. We can, we can identify things that are right and things that are wrong. We can see the, how to live in obedience, whatever. Now that God has given us this light, let's shut it off. Let's stumble around. Let's fall off the cliff. Like, why would we do that? That makes no sense. If your light <coughs> goes out in your bathroom, what do you do? You place the light. You don't want to like accidentally step in the toilet. Like, who, who wants to do that? So you replace the light. And what God is saying is, you now have this light. You are this light, the light of the world. Because we are hidden in Christ. We have been given this righteousness of Christ. Now, as children of God, as being robed with the light of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, we can walk in that. And we're going to finish after this next verse. Verse 9. I don't know what we'll do with the rest of it, but we're just going to finish after verse 9. Because that was verse 8. All right? But this is good stuff. This is truth. We need to understand this. We need to realize what the gospel is, what he has saved us from. Salvation doesn't take a bad man and make him kind of a good man. Man, salvation takes the grace of God, takes a spiritually dead man and makes them an alive man. The grace of God takes a man who is darkness and makes him light. And that's a powerful reality that we need to understand. So verse 9, he says, for the fruit of light, fruit of light, what's that all about? The, what light produces, what light gives, uh, generates. What light, when you look at a tree, it's kind of tough to say, what kind of tree is that? I don't know. I'm not a horticulturalist. I can't tell by the leaves. Well, there's an apple hanging from it. What kind of tree is that? Class. It's an apple tree because there's an apple growing from it. All right, well, what tree is that? I don't know. There's not a fruit growing. I'm not, I'm not that familiar with, with it. Well, there's a peach hanging from it. What kind of tree is that? Now we're all, prof- we're all uh, pr- uh, professional horticulturists. It's a peach tree because we see the fruit. A f- a, fruit, a peach tree is going to produce fruit, uh, peaches. An apple tree is going to produce apples. And what Paul is saying is a life that is now being lived by this light of God, this illumination of the reality of God and His truth, the fruit of this is found in all that is good, all that is righteous, and all that is true. And so there are these three fruit. Over in Galatians chapter 5, if you want to make note of it, there are some other fruit that, that Paul talks about. This is very similar to these here. And what Paul says here is that all the, the fruit of the, the, this produce, this, what is produced by this walking, this imitating God's light, what results in it is all that is good. Now, we have to understand that our definition of good and God's definition of good are two different definitions. We say, well, I gave money to you know, a, a blind man who was a begging. Oh, that's great. That's a good thing. But is that going to remove your sin, remove your darkness, remove your, your eternal separation from God? No, that's, that's doing something that's good. That's, that's really good. But what this good is talking about is this means finding your fullest and highest joy in that which is willingly and sacrificially done for others. So as we walk in light of God, we are going to imitate what God has done. And what God has done is sacrificially uh, and willingly done good for us in Jesus. 
And so every husband in here, every wife in here, as we are walking in this light of God, we are going to have joy out of sacrificially loving and willingly giving to our spouse, even when, especially when, they don't deserve it. That's tough. But that's the reality of, that's the fruit of walking in this light. Secondly, he talks about it's, the fruit is right, or your translation might say righteousness. When someone becomes a child of God, they are declared righteous by God, and not only that, they're treated as righteous by God. And what Paul is saying here is as that becomes a reality in our life, a reality in our mind, we begin to live in that righteousness. We will begin to hate sin as God does. We'll begin to love what is pure, to love what is holy, to love what is right and just. That's a fruit of walking in this light. And the last one that we're going to talk about, and we're going to wrap this thing up, is the fruit is truth. That which is true. And if anything's under attack in our culture today, it's truth. There's this idea that there is no truth. Well, isn't there, there is no absolute. Well, isn't that an absolute statement, saying that there isn't absolutes? Maybe you'll catch on to that later on over lunch. But how can I say there's no absolute if there is no absolutes? But there is an absolute. The absolute truth of God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. This pertains to honesty, reliability, trustworthiness, to integrity. And in this direct contrast to the darkness of of hypocriticalism, of deception, of false ways in the old dark life. So as we imitate God's light, we will be true in what we say, we'll be true in what we think, we'll be true in what we do. These fruit are important. They prove to the world, they prove to ourselves, they prove to each other that we are children of God. Because children of God walk in the light of God. They walk in the love of God. Now, by doing these things, does that make us children of God? No. It is not based on works, but on the very grace of God. Here's our journey marker for the night, for the day. Yeah, it's been a long message. It's already nighttime. (laughs) Being full of the light enables bearing fruit of the light. Okay? Being full of the light of God, imitating Him, imitating His light, imitating His will, imitating Him, enables us to actually bear fruit as we imitate Him. We are placed as children of His, and as children, we imitate Him. We imitate His light. We are full of this light because that's who we are that enables us to bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Fruit of goodness, of righteousness, truth. Now, as you look in your life and I look in my life, are we absolutely 100% on this earth right this second perfect? No, we mess up. We do stupid things. And that's the beauty of the cross. It is paid for our sin. But as we understand God's hatred for sin and his love for us, we will begin to imitate that light. And it goes on, the verse goes on to talk about, the passage goes on to talk about how the light of God uh, outshines the wickedness and the evil. And you can read ahead as the week progresses. And we'll talk more in community groups. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes as we wrap up this amazing truth that we are light. We are no longer darkness, 
but we are light. Man, dream with me for a minute, would you? What if we all walked in this light? What if we all took seriously enough this Scripture to believe and to buy in what it says? That we are no longer darkness, so there's no, there's, there, there's no excuse for to live in that darkness, but we are light in the Lord. And as beloved children, we can imitate that light because of the grace that God has so beautifully bestowed upon us. What kind of church would we be if we had dozens and dozens of people imitating the light of God, walking in this light, producing this fruit of light, which is, as we just talked about, goodness, righteousness, and truth. What could God do with this church in this community if we all looked at the cross and saw God's hatred for sin and His love for us? If we began to hate sin and love others the same, and what would happen in our community? Would His Spirit be poured out in our community where we could see countless men, countless women, countless children be saved for the glory of God? As the passage ends in verse 14, where it says, to, to be awoken from their sleep, risen from, the death, from their dead, and have the light of Christ shining on them in their darkness. This is what I want to see. This is what I want to be a part of. This is why we moved here. This is why Richard's moving here on Tuesday to see the fame of God spread into the hearts and lives of every single person in our community. For those who are far from God to be brought near to God. For those who are dead in their sins to be made alive in their sins. For those who are darkness to be light. Does God want you to be a part of this? Does God want you to contribute with your energy, your efforts to this? Do you want to be a part of what God wants to see happen right here in Crozet? If you this morning are wrestling with your own personal faith in Jesus and the Spirit of God is drawing you and working in your heart right now, let me just beg of you to surrender, to realize what He is doing is he is showing you his grace he's giving you the ability to become a son of his a child of his and i would just beg of you to respond accordingly if you have questions about your faith if you have questions about being light if you have questions I mean, come and see me we're we're going to conclude but i'll be up here come to community groups where we talk about this a little bit more on thursday night let's be the agent of change. Let's be the light that God has called us to be. Father, I just thank You for this morning. I thank You for this church. God, I thank You for what You're doing. God, I want to be a part of something big. I want to be a part of what You have been a part of for all of eternity past and You will be all of eternity future. Your fame being spread to every corner of anything that could be considered existence. God, I want to be a part of that. I want to see it. God, I think that there are people in this room here who want to be a part of that, who want to see your glory shine here in this community. So God, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your truth. And God, I thank you for these people who have patiently endured a slightly longer message. But God, we humbly lay our lives before you because you have done a work in us, those who are children of yours. And those who aren't,
God, I pray that you draw them into your family. Draw them in by the preaching and the teaching of what is truth in your word. May we never back away from what your word teaches. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the last thing I will say as we get our chairs is, I just wonder, has anybody noticed if there's a little bit extra light coming from my wife? Anybody notice a glow about her? I've noticed a glow about her, so we took her to the doctor. So there's this crazy glow about her. They squirted some stuff on her belly. They put this thing on, and there's this baby inside. And so we have uh, a baby coming. Uh, if you know any of our story, we went through three miscarriages and all this stuff before Gwen, so we certainly pray, uh, ask for prayer through the process. But uh, we're very excited. She is under the weather. If you have been there, you know what that is like. Um, and plus, she's got like sinus infection, as Angie has as well. And so uh, it's just a very exciting, exciting uh, time in our lives. So we definitely appreciate your prayer.